Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome to another edition of the Colts Cast, and I'm your host Chris Blystone, joined as always by Chris Shepard and Jim Campbell. Guys, how's it going? Hey, Chris. Good. Hey. All right, so we've got our first preseason game in the books. It did take place. It is over. Uh, somewhat grateful that that is the <laughs> truth, because to be perfectly honest, it wasn't the most entertaining game that you've ever watched. But it's done. We can move on to the next thing, which is a little bit more of training camp before we kind of get into the last couple, maybe more meaningful training camp games, whittle down the roster and move into the regular season. So it was, it was, eh, there were aspects that were entertaining, but for the most part, maybe a little bit less exciting than, than we, than we had hoped. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, it's the preseason, so you hope for, uh, you hope for it to be entertaining, but in a good way. And I feel like that Maybe this one was a little boring, but uh, it wasn't entertaining in a bad way. So that's good. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't great, but also there's times I actually enjoyed uh, watching it. So it had its moments, but overall, yeah, yeah, it was definitely one of those things where you take it for what it is and be yeah. appreciative that you have football going on, and you know that that takes the place of the nothingness that's been taking place prior. So before we get into that game and we are going to kind of go in, uh, in deep there, we're going to, we're going to dig into a little bit of news. There's not a lot. Uh, One of the biggest news items to come out is that we do not have any notable injuries. Frank Reich came out uh, today and said there were no notable injuries, no significant injuries that took place as a result of this game. And that is a huge win because it's kind of unheard of to make it through any actual game and not have any injuries at all of note. Uh, I mean, there wasn't anything that he said that there was, you know, as a result of this game that was significant. That's unusual and pretty great. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, when you had teams, you know, I mean, you had Jermaine Curse of the Lions who broke his leg, and you have uh, Kiki Cutie, who we talked about uh, at some point in a a prior show of the Texans, uh, have an ankle injury that they kind of said wasn't a huge deal. Uh, but, But those are guys that are important to their teams. And that really sucks to lose somebody like that and definitely not what you want to have. And the Colts don't have to worry about that, at least through week one. That's an exciting thing. Um, next on the on the list was a couple of injury updates. So Luck is not going to probably practice over the next three practices, Reich said in, in this same press conference. Still getting a little bit of pain, um, some soreness. He, he's progressing, they said, but he's just not feeling um, quite ready to take the next step and, and move forward to me that signals that we're probably 
done with the opportunity to see luck in team in full team workouts in training camp and likely are not going to see him much of uh, the preseason, if at all. Yup. Yeah. I, I, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm kind of worried about Andrew Luck right now. I know I probably shouldn't be, but um, the skeptic inside of me is uh, I'm getting pretty, pretty concerned at this point. So yeah, this is it. I mean, I don't want to turn on a dime, but I'm not there yet, but it is starting to become somewhat of a concern that he's just, I guess, We've said here the whole time, we don't care if he plays a preseason game. And I still stand by that. I really could care less if he plays a preseason right. game, but not practicing is probably. Yeah, I I guess I'm not too terribly concerned. I'm trying to toe that line between burying my head in the sand and, you know, being chicken and, <laughs> and being chicken little, because I think that you can you can very easily do either of those things because we just don't have a lot of information. And to me, I'm I'm not overly concerned, but at the same time it's it's definitely something that you have to monitor because the drop off from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett is substantial and there are you don't want to have to play a lot of games without Andrew in the lineup i think the colts i mean the colts could still hypothetically get several wins with luck on the bench they could do that i think the team is better around Jacoby than it was prior when when he had to kind of kind of handle that but it's it's definitely not something that you want to have to entertain and it sounds like luck is really trying to take care of himself and be a hundred percent in order to come back and play and that just makes you wonder whether he's going to be able to do that come week one hope that that's hope that they're just being overcautious and that we are worrying about it for nothing but we're all gun shy because of past history with that that we just we don't like the idea that luck could possibly uh, be suffering some ill effects. So hopefully we're going to start seeing him uh, get some reps in practice, even if it's if it's limited, and that we start getting some visible progress, not just them telling us that there's progress. And a- another interesting note is Adam Vinatieri uh, is actually dealing with a knee injury. And I don't know about you guys. I, I thought about this because um, – Cole Headland, the the Colts backup kicker, uh, looked pretty good last night. I thought, and um, the Colts obviously have a knack for for developing and finding kickers because last year, um, Mike, I'm going to butcher his his last name. I can't at all remember it. Ba- Badgley or Bagley? I don't remember how it was uh, how it was pronounced. But anyway, Mike Bagley. We'll say Bagley because he he's not going to listen to this, so he doesn't care. Um, he, he's the starting kicker for the Chargers now after being cut by the Colts in camp. And he looks pretty good uh, during camp and preseason as well. And it's one of those situations where I think it makes me wonder, while there's some things that are really great about having Vinatieri as the kicker and he's very reliable, he's also not young, not getting younger. And those kinds of injuries definitely hampered some of his kicking down the stretch last year when he had hamstring injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying cut Adam Vinatieri loose because, of course, you're not going to do that to a guy who's probably making the Hall of Fame as a kicker. And and are there is there more than one other kicker in the Hall of Fame? I think it's just Ray Guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like I, I understand that that's a little bit of a ridiculous thing to entertain, but at the same time, if you're a team that thinks that you have championship aspirations and you've got an injured place kicker that that concerns me to some degree I don't maybe that maybe it shouldn't but starting the season injured when you're as old as Vinatieri is it just makes me a little concerned 
No, yeah, I, you know, with it being Adam Vinatieri, how much of it though is him being hurt, and how much of it is we just realize that it's really not important for him to play in the preseason at all. And I mean, maybe his his knee is tweaked, um, but you know, he could just be sitting out just for the fact that he's. 87 years old and he's just going to sit out the preseason every year now. So, you know, you're right though. He has had injuries and they have mounted and you don't get healthier as you get older. So, you know, it's something to monitor, but, um, man, I'm, I'm kind of in the boat where as long as Adam Benetieri's kicking and making field goals, um, you know, even if he's, even if we have to make sure that it's, you know, not further than like 45 yards, that just means the offense has to be better. So let's, let's keep Vinny around as long as he wants to. I'm good with that. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Too. Yeah. All right. So we have a fun bit of news here because everybody who's listening to this is already going to know uh, what we're going to be talking about next. But Jim does not know uh, no. what has happened. What she, Jim has not been checked into the news this afternoon to see uh, nope. the whole the whole saga with Antonio Brown. And so we're going to all ex- have an experience together where we get to know something before Jim and get to reveal it to him. It's kind of like he's opening a Christmas present and <laughs> you've got me so excited. <laughs> so as, as many of you who follow this carefully know, and, and hopefully some of you are, are also enjoying this present with Jim, um, Antonio Brown had his whole ordeal with, with his, you know, going to this cryogenesis chamber in France <laughs> and getting frostbite on his feet, which is just the most absurd storyline that you could imagine, right? Especially for a team that is that it's going to be on hard knocks. And, you know, the Colts, there, there were many Colts fans that kind of lobbied to have Antonio Brown coming into the building. I mean, the Colts had the money to afford him. They definitely needed uh, a, another talented receiver. The idea of having him across from TY was pretty crazy to think about. And he he has this crazy thing happen. He goes to Oakland, has this, he has frostbite on his feet and plays it off. Like it's just blisters. And then there were, there were pictures that he posted and people were like, that's, that's not blisters. Those are, that's, that's, there's something else wrong with your feet, man. And, and so then it comes out that it's frostbite we find all this out. And that seems like definitely the craziest thing that could have come out. So then. Yep, absolutely. It doesn't get crazier than that. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like you're doing a double take. It's it's like, are we playing the Oregon Trail? Is this does he have dysentery as well? What happened here? And he he plays he plays in Oakland, and it is August, and he has frostbite. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just absurd. So then this afternoon, news starts coming out that Antonio Brown is MIA. They can't get a hold of him. They don't know where he is. He's out of out of contact with the team and they they don't know what's going on with them. So um so then this huge thread from Mike Silver blows up. It's like a 20 tweet thread on on Twitter and he starts detailing how basically Antonio Brown is upset because the NFL changed this helmet rule and because of this helmet rule, several prominent players, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers also among among them uh, have to get rid of their old helmets because of safety reasons that have been determined by the NFL. They have to get rid of these old helmets. And this apparently has been a, a contentious thing with Brown since training camp, since maybe OTAs. I can't remember okay. when they said this was, but basically he continues to try to sneak this helmet into, into camp and, tr- and like that he painted, he painted he, it. <laughs> he, he, he painted it. To, to look like the Raiders colors, but he did it badly. And so it didn't it actually match. 
and and so the trainers kept spotting it because it was like obviously not a raider's helmet and he just kept kept trying to sneak it in because he didn't want to use these new helmets and um and then he like basically he through his agent or through a lawyer of some at somebody he messages and lets them know that if he can't use his old helmet he's not going to play football anymore um and that's where we are, Jim. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Antonio Brown, he, he wants to play football with his helmet or not at all. He's going to take his ball and go home if he doesn't get his way. Uh, the Raiders the Raiders wanted this guy. <laughs> remember, remember that conspiracy theory when he dyed his mustache blonde and everybody's like, oh, he's just acting crazy to get out of Pittsburgh? No, he, he wasn't acting crazy at all. He's just crazy. Like, I'm envisioning that he just took crayon to the helmet um and like it's just it's, no, it or, looks- or like an crudely like drawn ms paint raiders logo <laughs> on on the side <laughs> like like my my seven-year-old drew it yeah and so i actually i think there's i think there is a picture of it online and like like i think i've seen it. i think i understand which one it is because like if you don't think about it, like it does, it looks pretty good. But then, like when you start looking at it, you're like, oh yeah, that there is something wrong with that. It doesn't. It's not exact to all the other Raiders helmets. So, man, what a what a what a time to be alive. Yeah, it's it's a supremely weird thing, and it's one of those things where if you were one of those people lobbying for Chris Ballard to bring Antonio Brown in, uh, this is why you're wrong, and this is why you should not think those ridiculous thoughts because. This is just the most absurd storyline. And then, so the best part for me is I'm seeing this unfold and thinking this is the most ridiculous thing that I can imagine. And then there's like this delayed reaction of realizing that I'm going to get to watch this unfold the next two weeks on Hard Knocks. I I can't wait. Like I almost, I I did a a search for the helmet. I'm going to stop. I'm going to wait because I want to see it all unfold on Hard Knocks so I don't have any tainted views of it. Yeah, so we spent way too much time talking about that, but it's just too good not to. I mean, Antonio Brown doesn't have anything to do with the Colts, obviously, uh, but he was a person that that a lot of Colts fans thought should come in. That was clearly no. the right move by Ballard to steer widely clear of him. And yeah, he, well, and, and he does have that relationship with Ty, so like I get that, you know, and that could be just an explosive co- combination uh, of talent, but um, that's insane. Do you? Like to give not if he doesn't play because of his helmet. <laughs> That's true. He's in, he's in insane. Person. He should have he should have come to a team like the Colts because I mean white is pretty much white. You just get a can of white spray paint and it's going to look pretty much like all the other white helmets. Yeah. So that's where he screwed he up. Needed, he should have went to a different team without. Yeah, he needed a team with an easier helmet. helmet to fake. Yeah, and his cra- his crazy yeah, psychosis exactly. will be taken care of, and he'll be he'd be good. Like, we tame him. Is that what you're saying? Okay, right. So. Yeah, like I feel like I feel like the Chiefs is an easy helmet to fake. Like it's it's red. Like you can just <laughs> yeah. match the red. I feel like the Browns. The Browns would be fairly easy. You got to get the right shade. But I mean, you know, it's it's a simple helmet. So I, I, I mean, my, to give, the Raiders <laughs> to give him too much credit, just for funsies. Is it possible that like the Frostbite's done some pretty wicked damage, and and this is his final plea to get out? Like this is how he chooses to go out. I, I think this dude has CTE problems, honestly, if I'm Very just well real honest. Be. Yeah. I think, I mean, you, if you listen to some of the beat writers talk about him, he's he's changed dramatically. I, I think it was, and I, I'm not even going to say her name, 
her first name is Aditi, and I cannot pronounce her last name. And she's a delight. Akikawala? Yes. Aditi Akikawala? Yeah. Uh, I'll let you do it. And then if it's wrong, it'll be your fault. Um, she's a delight. Oh, she's fun. she's fantastic. She was on, on the Around the NFL podcast and talked about him there. And fantastic. Uh, listen, and I don't, I don't know how to direct you to that episode. If you're listening and want to want to check that out, you just have to kind of dig through their archives, but um, talked about his personality shift and everything. And that to me just kind of says there's something else going on with this guy. He's, he's definitely a good person to have avoided. Hopefully he gets the help that he needs. It's, I mean, it's funny a little bit, but obviously he's got some problems. Yeah. And if that is the case, like there's not a whole lot that can be done, <laughs> you know, you can try your best to mitigate it, but yeah. It's eventually going to win, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, on that, you know, somewhat somber note, uh, we're going to jump over to some winners and losers from the game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, It was, I believe, the final score, 16-24. Colts lost. That doesn't matter at all. I didn't pay attention much to the score, which is why I'm not, you know, totally certain on that. If you were too worried about the score, uh, you were focused on the wrong things, as we kind of talked about in the last episode, that is, that's not really the point. Um, As I described it today, preseason is essentially a different type of practice. It's a different way to evaluate the players, but in terms of what the coaches are feeling about it, they're not viewing that in the same competitive way that they view a regular season game. They're viewing it as an opportunity to learn about their players, and that's what you should view it as as well. And so that's why we're going to talk about the individual performances and uh, dig in a little bit to some of the players that maybe uh, improved their stock with the team and some that uh, didn't. (laughs) We'll we'll say kindly, I guess, would be the way to say that, that they did not do that. Um, And then we'll kind of talk specifically if it's a player that's a bubble player, we'll dig into that as well. But we're going to start with the offense. So Shepard, give us your first you know, your first winner from this game, somebody who really just, you know, stuck out to you as having a really solid performance on offense. Somebody that stuck out to me on offense. Um, Well, so I think probably when you go back and you watch the game and you you really try to get a feel for what you think, I've seen the game a few times now. Um, Jonathan Williams ran hard all game long. Uh, He caught I think I think he caught every ball that was thrown to him. He looked really good. I was impressed with uh, with a lot of things that Williams did, and um, I think that he was a, a big winner that came out of came out of last night. Yeah, he actually. So he had he was targeted six times. He caught five, thirty three yards, um, and yeah, his long was a nine yard yard pass. But he also had um, eight rushing attempts for twenty four yards. Um, he was a pretty solid. He was a pretty solid runner on a day when there weren't many of those and just all around seemed like a pretty, I mean, I noticed uh, that he actually had a pretty good blitz pickup even in pass protection too, which you really like to see from, you know, from a depth running back. So yeah, I I agree. I I was, I was impressed by him. Yeah. He ran really hard all game uh, and he showed some really good contact balance. He got hit a lot and he, he stayed up. One thing I was concerned about, um, there was one play he got kind of knocked off balance and he went to reach down, but he reached down with the hand that had the ball in it. So the ball was kind of, kind of out there. He didn't fumble, um, but that was concerning to see that. But outside of that, uh, Jonathan Williams, I thought had a really good day. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching him. And I, I noticed the same thing his his the way that he carried the ball. I have a feeling that will come up in meetings. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that will yeah. be addressed 
and and that ball security will be definitely something that will be brought to his uh, front of his mind there because you definitely have to be really cautious. They're obviously not going to be on the roster long if you have issues with fumbling and uh, good technique in terms of of carrying the ball obviously mitigates some of that. Jim, did you see anybody that jumped out at you as a as a winner in this game? Uh, I th- uh, if specifically the game or the offense. The offense, I'm sorry. Um, I, I would say Doris Fountain really was, uh, like I said, I didn't get to pay like super great attention to it uh, that I would have liked to. And the last 24 hours of my life have been kind of a blur. But um, uh, he was one who stood out for me really in general. I thought Kane had some pretty good stuff and, you know, pretty bad drops on occasion but for Fountain in general I think was was the guy who stood out to me on offense yeah I definitely I definitely was pleased with what uh what Fountain put out there I feel like he I mean he he had the best performance in terms of of statistically for a receiver but I think that that also was uh it, it was clear on the film that he was one of the better players on the field as he was playing. Now he was playing later in the game. And so he should have looked that way because he was playing against, he was playing against, you know, some of the depth, but some of that also, and in terms of some of the receivers who played with like the second, what we'll call the second team, um, Philip Walker and, and we're, we're not to, to, to losers. So I'm not going to dig into this too much. His, his, his passes were awful. And so some of the re- receivers who were stuck playing with him really suffered for that, I think. And, you know, you had Chad Kelly, who was, who was better with his ball placement, I thought. And yeah. that certainly benefited Reese fountain um, in terms of, of getting a little bit better balls. He did have, um, he, he still had some challenging you know, catches that he made. So it wasn't like he was getting Andrew Luck throwing him the ball or anything, but I, overall I, he was impressive. I, I was pleased to see that from him. Uh, definitely something he needs to continue because he's looked good over the past week of practice. And if he just continues that kind of escalation, he's on a good trajectory. What did you think about him Shepard? Yeah. So fountain went up and he made a, a, a really difficult catch over top of a guy came in, uh, came down inbounds right next to the sideline. Um, and it was really it was a high level play regardless of the level of competition he was going up against. Now, if it would have been a better corner that he was going up against would that guy have jumped a little higher and tipped the ball, maybe, but it doesn't change the fact that he still went up, got the ball at its highest point, <clears throat> came down inbounds and, and made a, a great catch. Um, so, you know, he had a, a really good game. He did that really well. Um, you know, he had a couple, a couple, you know, hitch routes that he ran that he caught uh, Kane's, catches also came on that the so they weren't really calling plays yeah. <laughs> um so the, the the routes that these guys were running were for the most part pretty simple all game long um but fountain fountain looked really good uh and i was i was actually really really impressed with what he was able to do yeah i I definitely liked seeing that from him because he's he's one that has the all of the athletic ability is there. And so if he can start converting that and and turning the corner in terms of of the technique and 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 all that, it's good. Good for the Colts. So um, so Jim took mine. I was going to say Reese Fountain as well, but I'll, I'll move on to Chad Kelly, because to be honest, he really surprised me. Um I, I was pretty impressed with him across the board. I thought his ball placement was really good. He definitely threw a better ball than Philip Walker did. 
And uh, some of that, it sounded like they, they talked about in the press conference today that there were some calm uh, problems between Philip Walker and the, the coaches that they couldn't hear each other. And so however much of that you want to give him credit for, uh, there were some pretty ugly throws that had nothing to do with the coach being able <laughs> to talk to him. So I, I don't know how much, I mean, that obviously rattles you. So there's, you can't just hand wave it and say it's nothing because not being able to communicate with your coach is going to throw you off a little bit. And so give him a little bit of credit for that. But also uh, he made some pretty terrible throws and Chad Kelly just, I mean, he, he spun the ball. Well, I thought he, uh, man, he was fast. He's faster than I realized. Yeah. I mean, he moved when he broke out of the pocket and, and ran. And that one was a designed run. Um, but, but he, he moved. I mean, I don't know, even, I don't know, even Andrew doesn't move quite like that guy moves and, and he doesn't get credit for how, how fast he's able to move on the ground, but it was, it was impressive. I enjoyed seeing that from him. I would really like to see him stick and be able to be a practice squad guy. I'm not sure whether he'll end up getting picked up as a backup somewhere else and that that's not going to be possible, but it'd be, I, I honestly would rather ha- see him on the practice squad than Walker, but obviously Walker stuck around for a while. He may be a really good practice squad uh, quarterback or, or scout team quarterback. So maybe that does or doesn't happen. Interesting to see him regardless. And and hopefully he can continue to to play at that level for the rest of preseason and training camp. Yep. Yeah. Chad, Chad Kelly looked like an NFL quarterback. Um, and you can say whatever you want about headsets. Um, Philip Walker, Philip Walker didn't, he just, he, he did not play well. Maybe, you know, maybe it's first game, maybe he'll play better next game. Um, but if we're talking about, you know, Philip Walker versus Chad Kelly, and they continue to play the way they played this game. It's Chad Kelly, hands down. It's definitely going to make the next couple of days of, of a camp interesting to see how that changes uh, as far as reps go. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised in general. And the, you know, the offense actually seemed moving. There was there was some momentum behind it too in general when Chad Kelly's there. Once again, talent level that he was up against not so hot, but. It was it was pretty solid football in general. Yeah. And the thing is, he's going to have an opportunity to showcase that because if Luck's not taking snaps for the rest of camp, he's going to get snaps. He's going to get more opportunities. And if he continues to capitalize on that, good for him. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was excited to see see that out of him. And I like we've seen Philip Walker before. I'm I have never been sold on that experience. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's got like, does he have something on Jim Ursay? I don't know <laughs> what his deal is, but he's been around this organization for what feels like forever. And I just don't, I don't understand it. It's never made a whole lot of sense to me. So, um, so anyway, that was my, that was mine. And uh, I, I'll, I'll put you on the spot Shepard and, and see if you've got anybody else on the offensive side. I didn't feel like there was a whole lot else to be real excited about on offense. So I don't know if we can make it all the way around, but if you've got somebody else go for it. Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of got me. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a, it wasn't a great offensive showing. Um, if you, I mean, if you want to get really into the weeds, uh, hail, is it Hintages? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sure. Yeah, he uh, is rookie out of Alabama. He had a nice catch um, down in the red zone. Uh, I mean, it was a, a solid catch. He looked to be about as athletic as Jack Doyle, but a younger version of him. So, you know, it was uh, it was kind of nice to see a, another guy that uh, maybe isn't the most athletic dude, but he looks solid. So he, he reeled in a nice catch and, and made a nice play. Um, but, yeah, all in all, they're just – 
there wasn't a, a lot to be excited about on the offensive side of the ball. Well, let's just jump in then at, to a guy who I think probably straddles the line between a winner and a loser. And let's talk about Neon Kane, because in many ways, I think I think he was a winner in the fact that he got through this game. This had to have been a mental burden for somebody who tore their ACL in a first preseason game. Um, and and that was significant to him. I, I didn't think his performance was particularly impressive. It wasn't bad. He, he did... Um, make a couple of good sideline catches. He dropped a ball that the announcer said was a good pass. I disagreed. I thought it was a pretty lousy pass, but he still should have caught it uh, on kind of a comeback. Um, and it was not a good ball, but but it did hit his hands and it should have been a catch. And then he dropped one in the end zone. And, you know, you threw up on Twitter the the slow motion video and asked that question, was this a drop? Or I think it's I think you could probably make a good argument on either side, whether he dropped that pass or whether it was broken up. Regardless, you'd like to see a receiver come away with the ball in the end zone on a play like that. He did get both hands on it and it would have been a tough catch. Uh, sure, but you'd like to see him make that catch. So I would say he kind of had a a mixed bag of uh, performance, although for him coming away, I'm sure he feels like it was a win just to get this under his belt and be able to say, all right, we got this mental block that is you know, the thing that goes along with or so everybody says that goes along with ACL tears is the mental side where you're testing some of those things and moving through some of those mental boundaries. Uh, this might have been a big one for him, and maybe we see a better performance coming out of of you know the next week, and he's a little maybe less tentative or or whatever it might be. What were your thoughts on on his performance? So, I wasn't really impressed with the catches he did make. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him, but they he just he ran two curl routes, and the defense was in a soft zone. The ball came to him, and he caught it. To be completely fair to him. Um, as we previously discussed, he didn't have an NFL quarterback throwing him a football. He had Philip Walker throwing him the football. So um, to be fair to him, if he had Chad Kelly or even Jacoby Brissett throwing him the football, I feel like that he would have had more of an opportunity. Uh, and even the, so the, the play that you were talking about that I put up on Twitter was the, the drop in the end zone or the contested catch in the end zone. Um, if that ball would have been a little bit higher and a little bit further to the outside, um, the defender wouldn't have been able to get to it. Deion Kane would have been the only one that would have had an opportunity to have his hands on the ball. And it definitely should have been six points. Then I still feel like that that's a catch he should have made. I feel like that. I feel like that that's probably, I consider it a drop. The defender didn't get his hand on the football, The Deion Kane had his hands on the ball and it came out. Um, so, you know, it's definitely more understandable drop than him being wide open, hitting him and then falling to the turf. Um, but certainly I feel that it was a drop. So I'm not super impressed with Deion Kane, but like you said, it was his first game in 18 months. He came back out there. He didn't look bad. He looked like he belonged. Um, so, you know, that's good. Obviously you'd like to see more and you'd, you'd like to see him not drop the balls that he did drop. Yeah. Given that they just didn't throw the ball a whole lot, the passing game was not a huge part of the game plan or whatever you want to call it. I doubt there was much of a game plan, but the passing game wasn't a big part of the offense. And so given that it's one of those things where you just, you just kind of have to say, I just don't know. I mean, he needed a bigger performance and he needs to have big performances throughout the end. It's you're nitpicking. Um, If he was on the roster and this game, this was his performance during 
you know, as like the third or fourth receiver um, in a game, you would probably say, yeah, he, I mean, he didn't have a great game, but honestly it doesn't, it's not that big a deal uh, because he didn't do anything mind bogglingly frustrating or anything like that. That really was that, that big of an issue. The problem is just that he needs to stand out. He really has to have a great preseason from here on out. And so I don't know. That's why I say he's kind of on the bubble. I think for him, this is all it's, it may be a personal win to get over that hurdle, but it's also a little bit of a loss because he, he can't, he can't have eh games from here on out. He really needs to make himself stand out, especially when you got Reese fountain over here, making highlight catches on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. All right. So Jim, I'm going to, I'm going to give you one and this is not going to be hard because there are plenty to choose from. <laughs> now we're going to look at some guys who didn't play as well on the offensive side of the ball. Who would you say is the first name that pops out to you? Because I can think of a lot of them. Oh man, this is actually the most difficult decision. Yeah. Who? And, and once again, with, with the amount I got to, to watch of it, I'm going to come right out say and say uh, Jacoby Brissett was lackluster in general. Um, it was it was not good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think that Jacoby, you know, placement on some of his passes wasn't great. Uh, and you know, I don't know how much freedom he had to uh, to change plays or what. You know, it's preseason. I don't know what was going on, but there were a couple times, a couple of those, <laughs> a couple of the the runs that they definitely had called um, in a regular season game. I hope, I really hope, Jacoby audibles out of that. Um, and again, like I said, I don't know what he was allowed to do. I don't know what the plan really was. I, I don't know if if Frank Reich said we're not telling anyone what we're go- what we're actually going to do during the regular season. You're handing this ball off. They can put 11 men in the box. I don't care. Hand the ball off. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what the plan was? But yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. I don't think Jacoby looked good. And again, maybe he didn't make those decisions, but if he was free to change the play on some of those some of those called runs, um, he, he probably should have and he didn't. I, I just that was kind of my impression was that they basically said, we're going to run the ball and we're going to run the ball and then we're going to run the ball again. And we're not going to risk guys on our first team getting hurt. Yeah, we're just not going to do that. And and so I don't know, I you know, not to be too hard on him, because I, I think he's had a, a really his problem isn't necessarily that he's been glaringly bad, but he's been very inconsistent all throughout mm-hmm. the offseason and, and you just you really need I mean, you already know that he's not going to be Andrew Luck, but you'd really like for him to show some consistency. I don't think he's done anything to convince teams that they ought to spend any kind of of anything on him. I don't know that he's going to get himself a starting job somewhere next year based on how his offseason has been. Um, I just I, I just don't know that he's done enough to show that he can be consistent that way. And I mean, he did some things. I mean, he escaped pressure on, uh, on one particular play where he escaped two different, you know, two different possible sacks and was able to throw the ball away because there just wasn't anybody open. And it was pretty impressive. It was, it was some of the more impressive pocket movement and, and uh, evasion that I've seen from Jacoby, because that's not exactly something Mm -hmm. he's always been great at. Um, But I was impressed by that, but then you have just, you know, like you said, not ideal ball placement, uh, holding the mm-hmm. ball too long, not and and like we said, we we don't want to dig him necessarily for 
for not checking out of of bad situations because maybe that wasn't in his power to do in the preseason, but mm, maybe not getting the ideal looks and all that. So a little bit frustrating from him. Um, Shepard, who have you got for your for your loser, your big loser? If you have one specific one, I've got one, and Jim didn't take him, so I'm sure you're going to. My big loser. Um, so <laughs> this one's kind of tough for me because it's, it's hard to know exactly what was going on. Um, so a, a lot of people were complaining about the offensive line and a lot of people were worried about how bad it was. Uh, I actually don't think the offensive line was that bad. I think that the, the run, the situations that we were in on the ground, we shouldn't have probably been in uh, a lot of the plays that were blown up um were not they weren't great but they weren't great due to either a wide receiver missing a block Devin Funches missed a block on a safety that, that came down that he should have been able to make um on one play in particular um but really there was one offensive lineman who struggled uh, and that's LaRaven Clark uh, he did not have a good day um and hopefully hopefully LaRaven Clark isn't a guy that we see in the regular season too much um but again, he, he struggled, uh, it wasn't great. And, um, and yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully he improves and, and gains some confidence, but, uh, he, he didn't look great uh, in yesterday's game. Well, you're a jerk and you definitely stole the one that I was going to use. <laughs> <laughs> um, my immediate thought about three snaps into the game is Larry Raven Clark is not Anthony Costanzo. Um, and, Oh, and, yeah. you know, you had a lot of people who were sending out these uh, different, you know, well, you had Bills fans and it, it, it probably was uncharitable of me to be riled up about it. Because if you're a Bills fan, you've suffered quite a bit. Uh, I've got a good buddy who's a Bills fan and um, there's been there's been a lot of pain in that franchise. And so they are excited about their defensive line, as they should be. And I, I actually um, the Bills are probably my team that I think is maybe the most underrated in the NFL right now this season. I think they really could have a good season and they do have a good defense. And um, and I expect them to to play mm-hmm. teams really tough anyway. So, uh, you know, not to discredit them or anything, but I, I we should have expected them to be challenging to the offensive line. Having said that, when you don't have Ryan Kelly and you don't have Anthony Costanzo on the offensive line, you're bound to have some struggles. They're they're very good players. I would say Ryan Kelly is a top two or three center, and I think Anthony Costanzo is a top ten left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when you're missing guys of that quality, yeah, you're probably going to notice. I don't like you said. I don't think that you had huge struggles. Uh, was it Josh Andrews that played that started at center mm-hmm. um, for? for Ryan Kelly. And I don't think he necessarily did a bad job, but he's not Ryan Kelly. And right. so he's naturally going to have a little bit more of a struggle. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely thought Clark struggled. He didn't anchor. Well, um, he struggled getting beat outside. He just struggled in general. It, I didn't see a snap of his where I thought, Oh yeah, you really like, there are some snaps of, of Nelson that you watched and were just like, yes, do that all the time. Um, you didn't get any of that from Clark and, and that that's just a little bit frustrating. Like you said, hopefully we don't see him on the field much, mm. but it also makes me wonder if the Colts would do well to investigate, uh, filling out that tackle room a little bit deeper once cuts have been made. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And, and, you know, 
it's not often you find a good tackle on the open market, you know, especially in September, but you, you never know it could happen. Um, it, you know, maybe they make that move. Yeah. Maybe not. I do want to say that um, the right side of the offensive line with uh, Mark Lewinsky and Braden Smith, those guys played really well. Um, and they're not getting any credit because we couldn't move the ball on the ground. But like I said, there were a lot of other issues that went into that. It, it definitely wasn't those two. Uh, Smith did have a bad rep against, um, think Trent Murphy and he's a good pass rusher. Um, and if he had watched any film on Trent Murphy at all, he probably would have recognized that a spin move was a possibility. Um, but he just did not look ready for that at all. So outside of that, the right side of the line played really well. The Raven Clark really struggled. Yeah. And it's really a shame. I, I think I, I, I've always personally liked Clark and it seemed like, you know, he had the physical attributes that if he could just, you know, get it, he, he could be really, really good at this position. And I just don't yeah. think it's, it's ever going to happen at this point. Yeah. It's, we just got to move on. Like I said, I've, I've always kind of had a soft spot for him for some reason, but it's, he's never going to be a good tackle in the NFL. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that it would be wise to expect him to step up when Costanzo is gone and filling in that role. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's if it's worth doing to go through this again. Maybe we don't need to go through a nitpick anymore. There were there were several other players that struggled. I would say it's unfair to say that Naheem Hines um, struggled per se. I think yep. he was I think he was put in an unwinnable situation most of the time. And 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 I mean, it's not really hard. I mean, if you if you are the defense and you know it's preseason and there's a good chance that there's going to be a lot of of run heavy offense and the team you're going up against doesn't have its top four receiving threats on the field um, and their starting quarterback is not there pretty good chance they're going to run the ball. So you've got Naheem Hines, who's basically running into a wall. And I just think it would be uncharitable uh, and unfair to say that that's his fault. I will say, um, we, and we talked about him already. I will say Philip Walker is probably the guy that I'll, I'll pick for mine in terms of just a guy that really struggled. Um, and, and we won't beat that into the ground too much more because he did have just several issues, but he threw a ball over the middle that looked like it got tipped, but I don't think it actually did. It was just so wobbly and so bad that, it was just one of those, uh, and I believe it was picked. Um, I, be- I well, he threw he threw a really like a a a pick directly at a dude, so maybe it wasn't the one that was picked because I think that ball actually was kind of a laser just directly to the defender. Um, <laughs> yeah. one, one of the, yeah, the the wobbler the wobbler might have been tipped, but it was incomplete over to the left side. Yeah, of the I mean, it was maybe the the one that he the interception he threw might have been the nicest looking throw. It just went to the wrong team. Yeah. Um, so just just a little frustrating, um, but again, ultimately he's not going to be a guy who was going to make the active roster. Um, he's a practice squad guy, and so it doesn't break your heart to see that. It, it, honestly, I'm I am a little frustrated at the quarterback play because of the way that it impacts the receiver battle. Because you have these receivers who are fighting for a position, and you've got a quarterback who can't get them the ball. And that puts those middle guys, I believe Zach Pascal was catching passes during that. Kane and Pascal, maybe I think were kind of in around that same time. Um, 
and Marcus Johnson was in around that same time. You've got these guys who are scra- who are just scraping for a roster spot, and they're trying to deal with this guy who can't get him the ball. And that's really frustrating because even if you know he's not going to get a spot, his poor play is impacting other people negatively, and that really sucks. So. I did notice uh, early on, uh, you mentioned Pascal, but Pascal did make a tackle on special teams. I took a note of that. It was pretty early in the game, I think. Um, but I mean, and like you're saying, if you're not getting a lot of opportunities to catch footballs, uh, making tackles on special teams is a good way to, to stand out. Yeah, definitely. And and that's where he's made his, his yep. hey, anyway, is, is excelling on special teams. So good to see that take place. Um, We're going to go ahead and take a really quick break, guys, and then we're going to get back and we're going to dig into defense. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. If you're a fan of podcasts, and I assume you are because you're here listening now, you're really going to love this offer that Audible has put together for Colts Cast listeners. Right now, as a Colts Cast listener, you can take part in a 30-day free trial with Audible and get a free audiobook of your choosing. Best part about it is you keep the audiobook regardless of whether you decide to keep your membership. Audible offers an unmatched selection of titles to choose from. Uh, there are some great ones like The Quarterback Whisper by Bruce Arians, great stories about, you know, a lot of quarterbacks that are near and dear to our hearts. As Colts fans, there's the best game ever, which is the Colts versus Giants in 1958. Great. Colts history book if you're interested in that and there's all kinds of other non-sports things so if if you've got a family member who really likes to read uh, you know I've I've listened to Harry Potter with my kids on there there's a Song of Ice and Fire the Game of Thrones series that's on there there are all kinds of different selections you get access to those and best of all when you take part in this trial you help out the Colts cast so uh, jump over to audibletrial.com backslash Colts cast and start that free trial today Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, and we're back, and now we're going to talk about some defensive winners and losers from the game. And uh, really, again, not a strong performance by the defense, kind of in in the same vein as the offense. The whole team really pretty rusty, just didn't look great, and wasn't the polished team that we've been seeing a little bit through training camp. And the defense, in some of the areas maybe that we expected them to look a little better uh, up front and 
you know, on the defensive line and then in the secondary just really didn't look real polished. But um, but Shepard, who who do you have as your winner or your top winner on defense? My top winner, if I if I have to pick somebody, <laughs> it, there were so there were a lot of guys that I really liked that, that I thought did well. But I think EJ Speed probably stood out the most. Um, he's not Darius Leonard, but boy, they sure are similar. Um, you know, he he may never end up being as good. And he did look to be a step slow making his reads. Um, but EJ Speed to me looked like he could be a really exciting player, uh, if if nothing else, providing great depth behind Darius Leonard when he needs it, you know, when he needs it. I hate you so much right now because literally, so you, so <laughs> you definitely took both my offensive and my defensive players uh, because that was exactly who I had on my list as well. And, and really because of the things that he showed. And now if you were the starting linebacker, I think that there would have been a lot of things about EJ speed that would have concerned me, but as a rookie backup, I just thought he did all the things that you want in a rookie backup linebacker to do in a preseason game. He flashed in a lot of ways. Um, his his speed is clearly elite, and he's able to get across the field in a hurry. Like you said, he struggled making some reads, and he was a little bit slow. Um, he had a really nice play and then had uh, one that followed where he kind of got sucked up to the to the uh, offensive line and ended up getting boxed out of a play and allowed a game to take place. The kind of stuff that you expect somebody as raw as he is to, to do. And... Uh, but I also one time he got beat um, on deep coverage. And I remember thinking because I'm, I'm not real familiar with everybody's numbers yet. I saw 45 and I'm thinking, who is the corner who is wearing 45? Because he was so fast that it didn't even occur to me that he was a linebacker. Um, and even though he got beat on the play, it was like this guy had no business being as tight with a cornerback this far downfield as he was. So like you said, there were some things that that he didn't diagnose well or didn't get things done quite as quickly as you'd like. But for a guy who's in his position as a backup and as a rookie, who's who's a very raw rookie in, in coming from a small school, I thought you have to be pretty impressed with what he put out there. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, like you said, there, so the one play that I, I watched of his that was really disappointing was the 60-some yard run, whatever it was. Um, and actually, it was – I'm putting blame on him and Carol Phillips for that one. Phillips was looking for an easy sack, and uh, EJ Speed got sucked up. You mentioned him getting sucked up. He got sucked up, pulled down the line. Uh, he didn't maintain gap responsibility, and if he would have, that play never would have been cut back, and there never would have been a sixty-yard touchdown run from a rugby player. Um, so you know, it, he there were good. There was way more good than there was bad, but definitely some things that he's going to clean up and and improve on as the season goes. Well, you took mine too, so I want to get my little two cents in there on on EJ Speed because uh, the the shocking thing is what stood out to me first was like you could tell he had like one of those like oh moments, uh, like one of the first plays he was in the game, like oh this game's real fast, and and it he he had that that quick like taken aback moment, but then the athleticism just compensated for it a lot of times. Um, so you could see that there was that slow reaction time and he did have some some struggles in coverage. But if the dude can be coached up and get on the same speed as, as the rest of the league, uh, he, he can do some damage. Yeah, the potential is definitely there. And he just I mean, 
he he has what is you know the natural ability, and then he's just going to need the coaching to pair with that. And and he doesn't have to start uh, because he's behind Darius Leonard, and he's going to have a chance to learn behind a pretty good linebacking group. And hopefully he does take advantage of that and grows as a player. And hopefully he can contribute some of that crazy speed on special teams and make himself a valuable asset on that side of the ball. So uh, good showing for him and definitely uh, exciting to see that, you know, kind of take place with with him kind of taking the field and and showing what it was that Chris Ballard and all that scouting staff saw in him. Uh, So, Jim, you got yours stolen as well. Do you have another one on hand ready to go or do you need a minute? Uh, no, I think I do. Um, and I, cause I said I was going to be watching this guy somewhat anyway. And, uh, Kari Willis, I thought actually, um, showed some of the promise that he had, uh, coming out of the draft in, uh, in the run game. Uh, dude was aggressive. I think, you know, had some coverage issues, um, similar to speed, but, you know, showed that his aggression in the run game and, and not being afraid to come up and get real physical, uh, is, is something that, you know, he was known for and he was still, you know, displaying in the, his first preseason game. So, yeah, he, he stood out to me. Um, I really wanted to kind of gush about speed for a bit because he was, like, shockingly athletic. Uh, but I thought Kari Willis did what we expected Kari Willis to do, and I'm intrigued to see him uh, get some good coaching and get up to speed with this game too. Yeah, I liked what I saw from him as well. He did seem like he was close to the ball uh, he was in on a lot of a lot of the plays. I'm curious to know, Shepard, what you what you saw with him. You watched this uh, this game a couple of times pretty carefully, and I'm curious to know uh, what your thought was on Kari Willis because the only play that stands out to me as the one that I distinctly know he, I mean, he where I I feel like he made a mistake, and again, I, I haven't rewatched the particular play to know, uh, but there's a play where there was a busted coverage. Um, and it and that led to a touchdown. And I thought that Kari Willis was uh, the responsible party, but I could be, you know, I could be con- connecting him with, there was a play that Nate Harrison had, had made a mistake in as well. And I'm not sure if I'm, you know, connecting different guys. I don't, I don't want to defame this guy's honor here by, by pinning a, a bad play on him or, or if a play where he wasn't to, at fault. And I'm, you know, giving him credit for something that wasn't really his fault. So what did you see with Kari Willis? So, um, like you guys talked about, Kari Willis was around the ball a lot. Uh, he was in on a lot of plays. He looked good. He flashed. Um, with that said, it's really tough for me personally. I don't I don't know how anybody can be good at it, but for me personally, I can't evaluate safeties really completely without having all 22 film to look at. Um, yeah, yeah and, that's and, difficult. Yeah, and in the preseason, we don't have access to the all 22. The NFL doesn't make it available. So, I have the Which same game. It is dumb. I have the same game footage that everybody else has. So with that said, I remember the play that you're talking about where there was a guy wide open in the back right corner of the end zone. No idea how he got open. No idea whose fault it was. Corey Willis was in the area. There were two or three other defenders. Somebody screwed up. I don't know who. Impossible for me to know. So it may have been his fault. May not have been. We can't know. Um, But the positives were there. I saw him fly around a lot. Like I said, I don't really know if he made any mistakes in coverage because, well, nobody wants to watch uh, safeties run around on the TV cover. So, you know, we get the quarterback and the ball and the running back and nobody watches the offensive line play. They, they just watch the ball. So, um, you know, no idea what he did on the back end. But from what I saw, uh, he looked good and, and uh, he, he popped on, on the TV coverage for sure. 
Absolutely. Um, so my, I struggle because again, this was not a great defensive performance. And so some of these guys, um, you got to work pretty hard to say winner or loser, but one of the guys who I think, I think performed better, uh, than several others was Quincy Wilson and he didn't play for a lot of snaps. And he's a guy who I think has looked different this year, just in terms of his play. Uh, he talked about losing weight in the off season and cutting his body fat percentage in half. He was at, from from when he started in the league at about fourteen to fifteen percent, down to seven percent body fat, and just the difference in how he um, how he has played as a result of that, and really just kind of. T- for, for the first off season, taking seriously, taking care of his body. And we've, this has been the story on Quincy Wilson since arriving with the Colts is that he's got a ton of potential and he's just kind of an immature guy who wasn't all the way bought in. And so now you're getting a chance to see this guy maybe finally get it. And he, he kind of had that happen about the time that Mike Mitchell came in as a safety uh, last year and really clicked with Wilson and showed him kind of how to prepare and helped reset his mind and get him kind of all in, in terms of playing at this level. And if he's kind of all in at this point, you know, he's going to make it really difficult on the Colts coaching staff to know, you know, how, how to start these top four kind of guys that they have uh, in Kenny Moore, Pierre Desir and uh, Rocky Sin as well as Quincy. Um, but he had a really nice pass breakup. He played in several different spots on the field. He just, he has the kind of versatility that they really look for, especially in that extra guy uh, that may get him on the field in spots where he plays as an extra safety, or he may be even play as uh, in, in spots that would normally call for like a money backer kind of a role. Um, I just, I, I enjoyed watching him play. And I think that he has a lot of potential to offer this season. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Quincy could have a, a good year, and and uh, you know it's going to be one of those things. There's not going to be a ton of pressure for him to to come out and be that number one or even necessarily the number two guy. There's a lot of guys that can fill in, and and uh, I think you're right. I think he could could be in for a good year. All right. So um, honestly, unless unless somebody else has, if somebody if one of you guys has a another winner, uh, go ahead and throw it out there. But as far as I'm concerned, the only other one that I think there, there's one other one that maybe is, uh, does anybody want to make a plea for Carol Phillips as a winner? Because he did have a statistically good looking, no. I mean, his, his stat sheet <laughs> looked pretty good. Uh, but I think that some of that was, um, was maybe the fact that he was very fortunate and he was in the right place at the right time. In a lot of places, there were some really dumb mistakes made by the bills, but if anybody would like to argue for him, I'm not going to stop you. So, yeah, no. So um, I was actually going to mention uh, Carol Phillips. If you just look at the stats of the game, you look at it and you go, man, that guy that guy had a great game. If you watch the game, I mean, like you said, in the NFL, it does count if you're in the right place at the right time. Like those stats still count. Um, and, you know, if he's in the right place at the right time every single week, that's fantastic. We'll, we'll start calling it a skill. But until then, uh, Carol Phillips got really lucky and was really fortunate. Uh, and I, I won't make the argument that he that he's a winner from the game at all. Same here. The only, I mean, I would say that in a tough battle at the bottom of the defensive line, you know, position battle, maybe he's a winner in that this stat sheet helps him out. But I also, you know, you talk about, you know, him making that mistake that helps 
to open up this big run as well. That's something that the coaching staff is going to make note of while they're going through all this stuff. And while those plays that he made are not irrelevant, they're plays that given the circumstances he should have made. And then when you counter, when you, you know, connect that also with a, a mistake that he should not have made, that was very damaging. Yeah, it might be, it might be a wash. I mean, not a bad game for him. Certainly. I'm sure he's glad to have had the game that he had, but um, probably, you know, not necessarily as much as he would need to, to really cement himself a spot at the bottom of this group. Yeah. So the, the mistake that he made on the the long run, uh, the very first, his first sack, um, it came on a naked boot and he, he read the play well, he stayed home. Uh, he saw that the quarterback had the ball. He ran untouched sack, sack Josh Allen. So the, play that he screwed up on he he got greedy he was looking for the same thing and but this time instead of it being a play action and a naked boot there was no naked boot the quarterback didn't have the ball the running back got the ball uh and instead of staying home and and filling his gap carol phillips took a couple steps towards the quarterback who he thought hey another free sack and then well the rest is history so um yeah that didn't turn out so well um but yeah no right place right time for carol phillips unfortunately All right, so now we're going to move on to one that'll be a little easier to pick. We won't spend too much time on this because you could beat this to death. But Jim, who did you have as your biggest loser for this game on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, Can I just pick the whole defensive line while we're here? (laughs) Uh, That might be cheating. You got (laughs) to save some for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess if I'm going to have to pick out somebody in particular – I mean, Taekwon Lewis wasn't looking great to me, and I- I'm not sure exactly uh, how that's going to play out uh, with him at uh, defensive tackle. But as of right now, I am I am not impressed, and uh, possibly even a little concerned about what their their plan is with that. Yeah, he definitely got beat up pretty good. He was getting and you know, Brett and our Slack channel pointed this out. But when you go back and watch this film, he's getting blown off the line consistently by those offensive linemen. He's he's just not holding up at the point of attack. And he's not really a guy that size wise, that's surprising. I mean, he's 275 pounds, so it's not surprising that he's going to get manhandled a little bit. But um, it's just one of those things where. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why they see him as an interior lineman. I think he could be uh, a valuable in like a defensive end, maybe would be a better role for him uh, or at least kind of rotating around. Now, some of this is also due to the fact that you're you're missing some significant parts on the defensive line. This was not the starting defensive line by any stretch. True. Um, and so you don't have Justin Houston. You don't obviously you don't have Jabal Sheard, which that's not going to necessarily change for the first few weeks, at least of the regular season. Um, but you also don't have Danico Autry in there and Danico Autry has been kind of a beast. So, you know, not having some of those guys involved in the game plan at all definitely makes a difference, but it's still a little bit concerning to watch him look as poor as he looked. Yeah. I mean, they, we can give all these guys the caveat of so many of the starters weren't there. And so a lot of these units were not complete, but him just getting completely blown up offline like that time and time again. Those, you know, those guys might help a little bit with some of that, but very little. Yep. Not, not his best game. And, and of course it could be a one-off. So we'll, we'll have to watch that carefully, but Shepard, who do you, who have you got for your worst performance on the defense? I mean, I think mine's got to be Kamoko Ture. 
you know, I, I just didn't didn't see a lot out of Kamoko. So it, if Kamoko Teray doesn't win with his first move, the second move probably isn't coming. Um, he didn't have he doesn't have a, a consistent motor. I won't say that he has a bad motor. There are some plays where he gives good second effort, but um, the fact of the matter is, most of the time, he runs upfield, tries to get past the guy. If he doesn't, well, that's it. We're we're done with Kamoko Ture on that play. So um, he's he's really not been. Um, he's really he didn't do anything to impress me. Maybe you know <laughs> maybe he comes out these second and third games and and shows a little bit more. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not impressed with what I saw out of Kamoko Ture. Yeah, I I am a little bit frustrated that he's not developed some better secondary pass moves or pass rush moves. He's he's a guy who spent time in the offseason working with Robert Mathis. He's spent time trying to improve as a as a pass rusher and he he just he's still missing something and unless he can put that together. I mean, he looked good and it could be too that he's still I mean, this was like pretty shortly after he'd come back from having some weird shoulder stuff and he'd sat out for a little while. So it could be that he's taken it easy. I mean, and that's very possible. I don't know if you guys felt this. I felt like watching this defensive line in several spots, it was pretty clear they were not going full strength. This was kind of a take it easy sort of game. And there were a lot of times where I thought they're their get off on the on the snap was very slow and I didn't feel like it was that they were behind the snap it was that they were not really just coming off uh, at the snap real hard which I can understand it kind of sucks to see that you'd like to see them put a little bit more effort in but it is the preseason and ultimately they're trying to keep themselves healthy for the when the games count so I don't know if there was any of that that was legitimately there maybe I'm the only one that that saw that or felt that way uh, but there are some times where I watched them get off the snap where I thought these guys are are doing about 50 percent effort they're just not not all there mentally because they know this game doesn't matter so um I don't know I'd like to see more from him but like you said who knows whether maybe we'll see that in the next game or maybe we'll see that when the regular season starts but it's a little bit frustrating for sure. Um, so, <laughs> well, it feels like we're kicking a dead horse here, but Al-Kadeen Muhammad will be mine um, <laughs> because it really was very frustrating to watch this this defensive line because it's a pretty talented group, and we watched them just get stonewalled and, lo- and provide no pressure whatsoever on quarterbacks uh, throughout the game, and that didn't seem to make a difference. I mean, we've talked about this defensive line being a relatively deep one, but it didn't seem to make any difference when they got even to the deeper positions with the offensive line of Buffalo. They just could not get anything done. They were not getting consistent pressure. Most of the time when they were getting any pressure, it was almost always because of a, a mistake from from the Bills. It was just not the performance that you would like to have from that defensive line. And he, I mean, if he has to be the stand-in and the replacement for Jabal Sheard, he's going to have to be a whole lot better because he wasn't holding a candle to the quality of play that you'd expect from somebody like Sheard when he's on the field. So all in all, I mean, he was really just a, a part of of the whole that was not very effective. And that was, that was frustrating. And it's going to have to definitely be better. Again, I don't know. What, what were your guys' thoughts in terms of the effort level? Because I do feel like that looked low, but maybe I'm completely manufacturing that. So he didn't provide a lot by way of pass rush. I thought overall they did a a pretty decent job maintaining gap responsibility early on. Um, If you look, really the first team didn't give up a lot on the ground. Uh, You know, there was a little bit, but not much. As far as pass rush goes, um, you know, 
so we didn't have our three best pass rushers in that game. You figure Justin Houston is probably our best pass rusher. Um, you can argue over who number two is, but for my money, it's probably Jabal Sheard. Um, well, no, you know what? For my money, it's it's Danico Atri. Jabal Sheard's probably our third best pass rusher. Yeah, so yeah I, I'd those, agree with that. Those three guys didn't play, um, and so in a in a real game situation, obviously we're not going to have Sheard. That's a problem. But in a real game situation where all those guys are healthy, whoever you put as the fourth defensive lineman with those three guys on the field, there's a chance that guy's going to get that guy's going to get more than what he's going to get from this game. So, you know, the guys that we have in there right now are guys that I felt and still feel are really good depth guys, guys that are really good rotation guys, guys that they're going to be fresh in the third and fourth quarter when we need a pass rush and we can sub somebody out and bring somebody else in as starters. Yeah. They, they really underwhelmed due to the fact that, well, they're not as good as the guys that we have that are starters, which is, you know, seems, uh, <laughs> seems uh, pretty basic. You, you're, you're backups are backups for a reason, but you know, so I, I'm not as concerned that we didn't have as much of a pass rush, obviously with Sheard being out, that could be a problem. But um, yeah, after one preseason game with, the guys that we had in there, I'm, I'm not concerned yet. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty reasonable perspective because honestly, these guys are all going to get less attention from opposing offenses than they did in this game in all likelihood because they're they're never going to be probably none of the guys in there are ever going to be the main focus of the offense when they're in the game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Justin Houston probably is consistently going to be the guy who gets the most game planning done on his behalf. And Danico Autry very well could be that guy pretty quickly because he had a dominant year last year, given the amount of time that he actually played. So if he were to pick up where he left off and he has from all, all things that have come out of camp this year, uh, that's exactly the, the appearance that he's given so far. So uh, anybody else who's on your list in terms of losers that we definitely need to highlight? Not for me. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really have any any major losers. Um, I do think that there is something I did want to point out. Um, a lot of people were concerned that Taekwon Lewis was listed as uh, the starter at nose tackle. Uh, I went back through and I watched the defensive line and I, I charted who played where, uh, and so I, I stopped charting after the quote unquote first team went out. Um, but he didn't. Taekwon Lewis didn't play a single snap at the the zero or the one tech. Um, yeah, he just but, played three tech, right? Yeah, he played he played mostly three tech. Um, the the one and and so the nose tackle reps were all covered by Grover Stewart uh, and Marcus Hunt. So the the guys that we would expect, Marcus Hunt played there a lot last year, and and um, we expect Grover Stewart to fill in there this year. So so if you were worried about that and you either hadn't had a chance to watch the game or you didn't pay attention to who played nose tackle because you're a normal <laughs> human being. Um, just to let you know, uh, Taekwon Lewis isn't, he's not playing the nose. At least he hasn't so well, far. That's good. I still not really sold on him on the interior of the line period, but we'll see. I think he's, I think he'll be good there situationally. I don't think he's a, a full-time three tech. And, and that's kind of how they used him there last year. I mean, he wasn't a permanent interior guy and really there weren't very many of them that were because that's they true. moved guys all over the place on that defensive line and they like to do that. And it, it's kind of, I mean, it mixes things up and it keeps things interesting. They run a lot of stunts and twists anyway. So, um, you know, there are opportunities to use him. I mean, use him there and have him uh, coming from coming around the outside and they're, they they get pretty creative and they definitely weren't doing that at all in this game. So 
Yeah. I mean, this was a very bland vanilla. I mean, we all know that's what we expect, but it was um, like just some dudes got out and lined up and played football without any real emphasis on planning. Now, you used a phrase that I, I took issue with in my piece about the Colts running game here, and that is you know, the the vanilla play calling. Um, I'm, I'm an advocate for the for vanilla as a flavor. And uh, vanilla, <laughs> vanilla is a flavor of ice cream. I don't know if anybody knows it's it's not like plain. It is a, an actual flavor, and it's a delightful one. Uh, so I'm not on board with this whole you know you know smearing smear campaign on vanilla as a flavor. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I think we need to come up with a more uh, effective term to describe boring, bland offense because vanilla is delightful, and all of you anti-vanilla haters just need to pipe down welcome to the complex sorry about that. welcome to the complex flavor podcast here with your hosts yeah sorry <laughs> to uh, trigger with those microaggressions there uh <laughs> didn't mean I to have, set you off <laughs> i i do have to say i am very uniquely qualified to do a podcast about food because i consume plenty of it um but you know maybe not the target demographic of our audience is a uh an in-depth discussion on specifically ice cream flavors because I, I don't know what other vanilla flavored things that really matter that much to me. But anyway, my seven year old wanted Dippin' Dots for the first time the other day. And so we get in and I was like, what flavors do you want? And she looks at all the flavors. She's like vanilla. And I was like that, that that's a waste of Dippin' Dots. I'm sorry. <laughs> we should just move on from here. I don't yeah, understand. I, it. I'm I'm probably with you on that in terms of dipping dots. I I would probably branch out there, but vanilla as a general rule is perfectly acceptable to choose. Um, and and this this play calling was was very bland for, to be sure, but I'm not sure that it was vanilla. Anyway, um, so that's all we really got, guys. We're we've we've kind of gone through this one and not taken it too terribly seriously. Again, it's the preseason. You could get really worked up about all the results here. And I, I think that you would probably be wasting a lot of energy. Important things really, like we said at the top of the show, no big injuries to come out of this. That's a huge win for the preseason. And we got to feel really good about that, that we get out of a game and not have added any injuries to the list. There were a lot of teams that weren't so lucky and the Colts have avoided that. So one game down without anything significant. And that's that's actually really excellent. So we're going to be back on Tuesday and um, we're going to be well, we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll be recording on Tuesday, but we'll be uh, you'll be getting that podcast on Wednesday and we're going to talk a little bit more training camp. And that will actually be the first day of Browns Colts will be that Wednesday. And then the, the Thursday afterward in preparation for the, that second preseason game. So uh, we'll be back then as, as we say, always, uh, you know, check us out on Twitter at Chris Blystone at NFL scheme at Jim Campbell, 81 uh, rate and review the podcast. We definitely appreciate that. I, I continue to see more ratings popping on there and that is, we really do appreciate that helps us both um, know that we're well, helps us assume that we're doing a good job. As long as you, if you, you know, don't tell us otherwise, we just assume we're doing a good job and helps for us to uh, continue to grow this audience and, and this podcast by extension. So really appreciate all of those. Follow us, share the podcast and reach out to us if you have anything that you want to talk to us about. We're, we're pretty responsive. So, and, and then if you, if you, you know, defame our character, we'll, you know, lash out angrily for whatever reason that we feel like. So for months at a time, I, I won't stop. 
yeah, Shepard will definitely doggedly hunt you down on social media platforms to let you know if you call him out and then turn out to be wrong. For all of you who've said anything to him about Deion Kane, if Kane does not make the roster, you should expect uh, basically <laughs> to delete all of your relevant social media accounts because because he's going to let you know about it. But <laughs> but I do want to I do want to take a real quick moment to point out to all of you people who seem to not get it. And I know there are some people who've expressed they don't they don't like this kind of running bit. This is it is a little bit of a bit. Um, I mean, Shepard did express his opinion on this and we kind of ran with it. But honestly, it's kind of a bit. It's not taken too seriously by any of us. Nobody has ill you know, will toward Deion Kane. We're all Colts fans, and we'd love to see him do a standout job. Uh, and so taking, don't take it too seriously. We're trying to have fun. This is not ever going to be a really, really serious podcast. Um, if you take things really seriously, you're going to probably find us to be a little obnoxious because, it's, it's, I mean, we're talking about a game where people advance a ball back and forth on a big field so um while we love it we're we're not taking ourselves too terribly seriously about it so if you guys want i mean i could talk for an hour just about like the inside zone every week like we could just break down different inside zone run plays from different teams across the league no one will listen to that and i know that because no one reads articles i write that are similar so i mean you know but really it's up to you guys what I really think that we need to add into our life is some of you would just be delighted to hear some of Shepard's theories on the random Disney television show characters and their goings on. Uh, we'll have to bring those into some mid-season, <laughs> mid-season segments. We'll have to integrate in some things, uh, some of his musings on on those that I'm sure some of you would just be delighted to, to hear about. So anyway, that's all for us, guys. Um, appreciate you tuning in. Check back with us on Wednesday for the next episode. We actually are going to have a special guest on Wednesday, and this is called a tease. I'm not going to tell you who it is. So check back in. Very special guest on Wednesday, and uh, we'll be real excited to talk with our mystery guest who you don't get to know about until then. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. That's all for us, guys. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.